two Steelers Blitz on a Sunday. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler rocking and rolling with you here. Another day of training camp coverage in the books as we approach the final week of training camp practice 2021 edition for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Before we get to that first preseason home game against the Lions on Saturday, six days from now, just a quick heads up for you. Here's what the next few days look like. No training camp coverage tomorrow. All right. Uh, you see Arthur Motes doing a little dance back there if this was TV. Mm-hmm. All right, Motesy off tomorrow. You'll still have me here on these airwaves in the afternoon if you're listening on 970 ESPN. But no camp coverage tomorrow. But then we are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to wrap things up. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you'll have Motesy and I from 1 to 4. And that'll be all she wrote. And we will be on to the regular season. Although, I mean, not really because it'll just be preseason game number three. But you get it. We'll be back to into our regular season style of coverage, Arthur Motes. This all, this all happens much quicker when you're on the microphone side than, you know, when you're behind the microphone as opposed to behind a face mask, right? <laughs> this is very true. It's a nice way to put that right there, man. <laughs> you like that one. I just kind of just kind of wordsmithed that up for hey, you man, there. You got the juice like that, man. You know that. A guy that uh, that we think has the juice, Arthur Motes, is Adrian Clem, offensive line coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, his first year in charge of the big boys. I, I like this guy, Arthur Motes. I think he's going to bring a lot to the table. Only in Pittsburgh, you know, are, are we kind of like very, I think, in tune and lockstep with who the offensive line coach is. You know, we discussed the lineage of Mike Munchak to, Son, to Sean Surrett, now to Adrian <laughs> Clem. Um, but I think we've seen it in, in training camp already. You know, we were kind of talking about this um, to close out the first hour as it relates to Dan Moore. You've already seen certain guys getting better throughout training camp, and and I think you have to give Adrian Clem some credit in that. Obviously, the guys deserve credit themselves. Dan Moore deserves credit himself, uh, but the coach is part of that equation as well. Yeah, 100% the coach is a part of that equation. We heard the reports that Adrian Clem was pivotal in the development of Kevin Dotson a year ago. Yeah. Yep. That was that got a lot of people excited, and obviously it Part was— Part of the reason why he got the job, I think. Yeah, that, I thought it was as well. But it also begged the question of, was it more so because of how good Dotson was, or was it because of the coaching, right? So this offseason, we were going to get that chance to see which one was the truth in terms of, was Dotson going to be the only one that improved, or would these other guys— you know, not just these elite level talent guys, but could some of these run of the mill guys, could they be able to come in and develop as well? And I think we've seen that with a guy like Rashad Coward. He's a prime example yeah, of a, that. That's a good example too. Rashad hasn't been a clear <clears throat> excuse me, a clear cut starter everywhere he's played in th- oh, excuse me, in throughout his career. Not at all. You all right over I'm there? I'm over there choking up in here, man. I don't know what the heck that was. I mean, Muxy, I know we're very emotional about Steelers football, all right, but you don't have to cry on me over there. I mean, geez, Louise, get some beverage. Take a Go. breath, all right? I mean, we See, got we got you. Full transparency, I was eating these habanero barbecue. Uh, ah. Yeah, these, these habanero barbecue almonds. See, there he is. It's it's one when, yes, you're, when you're sitting in this studio. When yes, you're sir. sitting in Wolf's chair, like Mozi is right now, you got to make at least one food reference per hour. That's hey, part that, of the that, that's that is my goal. That is my goal. But I had a little bit of seasoning remaining in there that I had not. Ooh flush it down with the nice tasty beverage so now that that situation is you know rectified now we can continue on with what i was saying here i'm getting a little uh, well hold on now i gotta chase this shiny silver object for Uh-oh. just a second here he goes um <laughs> i'm getting you mentioned spices there mozi i'm gonna get, i'm gonna get a little spicy tonight okay so uh my wife will be not be home for dinner tonight she's been in philadelphia back at home with her mom for the weekend She'll be back later tonight, you know, around like 8 or 9 o'clock, she said mm-hmm. she would get in. So she told me I was on my own for dinner. 
I've discussed this with you before, but I don't know if I've ever shared it with the audience, but my wife, she doesn't really have any flaws in life, okay? Number one is being a Flyers fan, all right? <laughs> and number two is that she doesn't really like, like, Indian or Thai, like, oh, spicy like spicy food. Thai. Yeah, she'll do, like, spicy chicken, right? Like, hot chicken, uh-huh. spicy chicken stuff. But other than that, she's not a huge spicy food person, so she's not really into Indian food or Thai food because you know the spice is so much a part of those cuisines, of Very those palates. True. So when I talked to wifey this morning and she said, yeah, I'm going to take my time getting home. I-, I won't be home in time for dinner. You'll be on your own. I said, ooh, I'm getting some Indian food tonight, baby. How, how Marshawn said, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. So I'm going to be I'm gonna be <laughs> kicking it up a notch tonight as well, too, whenever we get out of here. But I did want to hear from Adrian Clem. You know, Motsi, we, we've said a few of the things that he's touched on about some of these offensive linemen, but why not, you know, take you straight to the source here, let you – What's that that they say? Hear it directly from the horse's mouth? I believe that's what they say. I never understood that reference. Horses don't talk. Yeah, I'm with you Like, you got to lead a horse to water. That reference makes sense. They get it straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. I mean, what are you hearing? (laughs) (laughs) What? What's that? That was my impression of a horse doing it. Oh, we got to get it straight from the horse's mouth. There. (laughs) Ask that horse right there what he has to say. (laughs) The fact that I thought that you had hit a button for a bed to play, I was like, yo, y'all really got a horse bed? And then as I look over through this glass, (laughs) I see you shaking your head. (laughs) Now that's it. I can't do it. What have we become? Oh, my throat. (laughs) Dude, that's worse than doing the Macho Man voice. Oh, my God. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. All right, I'm going to turn things over here to Adrian Clem. Oh, man. You're going to get it from the real horse's mouth here. <laughs> Here's what the new offensive line coach had to say when he spoke to the media for the first time in training camp. Adrian, uh, in terms of what you think your group needs to be um, by the time the season rolls around, you need to see those guys out here consistently. It hasn't been that way. Yeah, you'd always like you'd, you'd always like to have some consistency, especially in our group. You know, offensive line, we have to be one cohesive unit. You know, guys have to get used to playing next to one another. But um, it's also a great opportunity for us to see what guys can do. You know, and just um, I think this is a, a valuable experience for some of the guys, especially a lot of these guys that haven't played before. You know, it's an opportunity for them to showcase what they can do, but at the same time, for us to see if they can handle the rigors of different positions and moving around, being on the right and left. You know, obviously, I like to have them settled in one position, but if, you know, if, uh, if anything, I think it could be beneficial for us in the long run. Adrian, uh, Kevin earned his way back to the uh, first team today. Does that have a lot to do with what he did in Philadelphia? Uh, you know, it's one of those things. Kevin's been getting better every single day. You know, he missed the early part of camp. Uh, he's doing everything that was asked of him in terms of our strength coaches and, and the people within the, uh, um, uh, the training room. You know, and it was a process. And, uh, He's done what was asked of him, you know, and he's progressing along. Is he where he needs to be? No, but he did some good things in the last game. We just want to give him some opportunities to work with that group, you know, uh, and just see what he could do and give them an opportunity to work with him as well. You know, obviously we have a new center, and Chooks is in a different position now. We're on the, on the opposite side and just kind of want to see how they mesh together. And uh, RC's done an admirable job in terms of competing and all that, and just there's nothing set in stone but just giving everybody opportunity, you know, as it presents itself. Coach, what have you seen from Dan Moore for two preseason games? And as you started to work with him and challenge him, do both the swing tackles or the right tackle today? Uh, I've seen Dan just a really mature uh, young man. Obviously, he had you know 30 plus starts in college and he played at a high level. Uh, but just in terms of going to the left, switching to the right, you know, right tackles is first out there. Uh, I think in camp, 
really. Um, and, uh, you know, it was challenging initially, you know, getting used to his stance and all that. But as practice progressed, he never dropped off. You know, he got better as practice uh, went on in two minutes. Actually did a pretty good job. And just, uh, I think he's stoic every day, you know, and he's a student of the game. And, you know, he's made some, some mistakes early on. But as they're addressed, he's not an error repeater. And, you know, you can always build on that. You know, he has a little ways to go, but uh, I'm pleased with his progress so far. We saw J.C. Hasnauer at center today. Kendra Green has been taking a lot of the first team reps at center. How is... Uh, Green developing as a center, as a rookie, and is there really a battle between him and Hassanauer to kind of shake out who will end up being with the ones? Um, everything's up for grabs. I mean, there's a guy you were playing for a long time, so there's nothing set in stone. I think KG's played himself into a nice position, um, and uh, he's definitely in contention if not, if not the guy on opening day. You know, uh, often I have my say in it, but I'm not, you know, there's a number of people that have a say in that as well. Um, but he's been working really hard and getting better every single day. Uh, he's getting more comfortable with the position. Um, and I just think he's done a really nice job uh, for coming in and having the tough pressure and, and the expectations that, that we have. Are you, seeing, that. are you seeing what you need to see out of him in game situations that shows you that he can handle that game day pressure? Most definitely. Uh, you know, he's another guy that has played a number of games. He's moved around a lot. You know, there's been games where he had to go in and play center without taking any reps during the week. And so I think the more that he settles in on it, um, he was he did really well in terms of coming back and, uh, and knowing his assignment but the deeper understanding and comprehension of what we're trying to do, why we're doing it, where guys need to be, IDing things, getting guys where we need to be. I mean, that's what I've been really pleased with. You know, from a technical standpoint, all that'll come. It's a lot mentally, um, but he's been very capable of, of maintaining that and building on that each day. And as everything comes together, I think he, he's gonna be a pretty good player for us. Would you, would you like to have uh, your starting five get extended time in this upcoming preseason game? I'd like to, you know, we'll see who's available for the game and all that, but um, I'd like to definitely do that. I'd like to kind of settle in. We have, what, two more preseason games um, before our regular game. And uh, so obviously it'd be a nice thing if you get those guys in there and have some cohesiveness like we talked about before for the next couple of weeks. Is the center position in your mind settled? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say, like I said, I would say settled. There's all kinds of things, Captain. We have a different line almost every single day, you know, but I think that he's put himself in a good position to compete for that starting spot. Kendall, yes. Has that been especially challenging for you as a coach, not having the, basically the same group out there day after day? I mean, some, some people look at it like that, but I think it's been great in terms of development as a group as a whole. It's, it keeps everybody dialed in every single day. And there's a deeper uh, sense of urgency and focus every single day because you don't really know what's going to happen. And guys have to be on P's and Q's and not just know their position, but know the other positions around them. You know, and I, I think, and like I said before, that's going to be beneficial for us long term when stuff hits the fan and, you know, you have to make uh, decisions on the move. You've been around the for a while played as a player and coach. Have you been in a situation like this where you've seen something kind of this unsettled? Yeah, I mean, you'd like to have it settled, but I mean, it happens everywhere. You know, it's about the more you can do. And like I said, I think it's going to be great for them long term. You know, we know there's high expectations for them, but at the same time, they've been asked to do a good amount and, and they've all been up for it. You know, and it's something to build on every single day. Adrian, you've discussed establishing that physicality. Do you see that starting to manifest itself and did you see in the first couple of games? Yeah, I definitely do, but we still have ways to go. You know, it's a renewed sense of urgency and guys are trying to be physical and do all the things we're asking of them, but we still can give them more. So we want all they have and more every single day. We're building towards that. And by the time the season comes, hopefully we're rolling. That is Adrian Clem, Steelers' new offensive line coordinator, or coach, pardon me. Not his first year with the organization, but his first year as the boss of the offensive line. A lot of good stuff there. Uh, he is, uh, again, just one of those Steelers coaches that I could listen to talk, or I could listen to him talk about football for a while, Motsi. Just some coaches 
hey, there's nothing against it. I might be this way, too, if I was on the other side of the, the <laughs> equation here. But some coaches is very short answers. They don't really expand. You can tell that they would rather not be doing this. And, again, I don't, I don't poo-poo those guys. That is, that is certainly their right. And if I was a, a football guy like that, I probably wouldn't want to talk to me or people like me either. Besides, it's more fun to talk about, you know, the bouncing around like first in a skillet. Ex- like first in a skillet. <laughs> Uh, but Adrian, then then you have the other type of coaches, right? That you're just like, I think like Jerry O is like this, right? Like I could listen to Jerry O talk ball all afternoon. Like I could just sit there, I could post up, give me a cold beverage and maybe a bag of potato chips or some pretzels or something. And I can listen to this dude talk ball all afternoon. Adrian Clem's one of those guys too, Motsi. Really breaking down the challenges of training camp, the good and the bad of having so many moving parts on the offensive line right now. Like that's that's a guy that I wouldn't mind playing for. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that he's handled his adversity as well. We heard when he got brought here how people responded to that. That's now, true. People were not pleased. Yeah, a lot of people weren't. They tried to bring up what had transpired in his personal life where there was a different coaching stops and stuff like that as well. But as a whole, man, he just continued to believe in who he was, continued to stay in his lane, never tried to publicly combat or disperse anything that anybody was saying negatively about him. And he was just focused on the work. And to me, I, I, I was really impressed with how he's handled this whole situation and ultimately where he's at and where he has this offensive line at. Yeah. Based on these first two games, they took an, they took a step forward. That second unit that was out there in that, in that second game, you could see those guys developing. And that speaks more about that coach because – now, granted, we know that starting group, it wasn't the full starting group. And we haven't had a chance to evaluate them just yet because we haven't seen them all together yet. But that second group has been out there a little bit now. They've, they've been available in practices a lot more than they haven't been. Yes. And you can see those guys starting to gel. You can see those guys moving people. You can see the demeanor and focus that they play with. And even from a technique standpoint, they were pretty much clean. outside. I think, what, Chooks was the only one that had a penalty on I that old so. line? I think so. I'm loving that right there. And that is a reflection of what Adrian Clem has been able to do since taking over as the offensive line coach. I think that's well said by the genius of Arthur Motes. Super or evil? Um, a little bit of both. Hey, now. I mean, true genius is madness. I don't know. Or maddening. Oh, you got to be a little mad to be a genius. Ha, that's ha, why they ha. call him mad scientist, ha, right, ha. Arthur Motes? All right, you want to get involved with the show, two ways to do so on the Twitter.com, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. Body. We also got phone lines, folks. 412-919-1316 if you want to literally join the conversation. Literally. Those are the digits to dial. 412-919-1316. You know where to get at us on Twitter. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Would probably help if I turn my microphone on. Just a little bit. I just did like a whole spiel there for like 10 seconds, and then I realized I can't hear myself. Why can't I hear myself? Oh, yeah, it's because I didn't turn my microphone on. <laughs> you know, Motsi, there's that old adage about guys not being able to multitask, right? Like dudes can't talk and chew gum at the same mm-hmm. time. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of playing that out back here. I'm trying to push the buttons. I'm trying to host. I'm trying to produce. We're in a we're in the fancy studio today, so things are a little different. You know, I'm just you got to recalibrate your settings a little <laughs> bit on a day like this. 
<laughs> but I'm cutting my eyelids off, baby. We don't blink. You know how we do. And I'm keeping it moving. I'm digging this offensive line conversation we're having here, Motsi, so I'm going to stay here for a minute if that's all right with you. And you, I mean, you, like you said you only have 49.5% stake in the show. I've got 50.5%. So well, I, guess, I like Adrian, so I guess yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it, man. I, wait, you like Adrian? Yeah. 40, wait, what do you mean? Well, we're going to keep talking about offensive linemen. Oh, I got you. Okay, sorry. I thought that was a reference to something with the 49.5% and 50.5%. But you're right, we're going to keep talking <laughs> offensive linemen because I've got an extra percent stake in this show, all right? So I'm making the decisions around here. Just don't think too hard over there, man. <laughs> My man was I am going thinking way it. too hard. You're right. It's, it's a, a Sunday. Sunday. We don't work my, hard on I Sunday, man. I put my feet up in here. Ex- ex- we, we got our cool shoes on today, got, man. It's, I, it's, it's Sunday, I man. I got my tie-dye flip-flops on Come in here, on, Arthur Motes. I got my Wu-Tang shirt on, so you know I ain't nothing to mess with I mean, today. With I'm these, chilling, baby. With these, yeah. with these tie-dye slides I got on, can you tell I'm ready for the Grateful Dead show next oh, weekend? Oh, hey now. All my deadheads out there. Ah, and maybe the following weekend as well, too. Wow, wow, wow. Their tour starts tomorrow, Motsy, down in Charlotte, North Carolina. You think if I leave here at 7 o'clock after I it. do the show, I, can, can, make I can make it down there yeah. to Charlotte in time for, for the show at 8? Yeah, for a fact. Yeah. Just take the PJ. Yeah, yeah. No ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. Reminder, no Steelers Blitz tomorrow, uh, but we will be back on Tuesday for a Moats Host Tuesday for the final three hey, days hey, hey. of training camp coverage. Here's what I got for you as we do kind of uh, round out this offensive line conversation. We've been having a lot of these. This preseason, I tell you what, Craig Wolfley, Tunch Ilkin, they'd be proud of us as much as we've been talking about the hog mollies. Mm-hmm. Tell me right now, Arthur Motes, in your perfect world, right, in your ideal scenario, in the mind of Arthur Motes, and in the opinion, the very professional opinion of Arthur Motes, your starting five offensive linemen, opening day, week one up in Buffalo, if, if everything's perfect, your ideal hypothetical, right, who are those starting five? Banner, Turner, Green, Dotson, Okafor. Okay. Four, excuse me. Okay. Yeah. Those what are the about five. You? Mm-hmm. I think I would say the same. I I do want to see – I would like to see Finney get a little work. I would like to see Hasenauer get a little work because if one of those guys, you know, ended up starting at center for the first few weeks of the season, I like I wouldn't see that as some huge red flag on Kendrick Green, right? It's, it's just a very hard position to learn as a rookie, particularly – you know, let's uh, we we can make the pouncy comparisons all we want, and they have a similar haircut, and they kind of look alike sometimes if you squint <laughs> your eyes a little bit, and they wear the same number. I get all that, but there's a difference between being with the ninety somethingth pick and and being a top twenty pick like pa- like pouncy was. There is a difference there. I just I, I wouldn't hate to see two of those other guys get work. And, and and again, like if Kendrick Green is not the starter on week one, I'm not gonna be like, oh well, he stinks. Oh well he's a bust. Oh well that was a wasted draft pick. But I it does feel like those are the five. Dan Moore, it's nice to see him in the conversation. Like I said, I'd I'd like to see Finney and Hassenauer get involved in this discussion as well, too. But those those feel like those feel like the right five. Let's let's hope they can stay healthy and and keep that going. <laughs> That's the big part, health, right? Because that has been one of the bigger reasons why we haven't even seen them all together just yet. But if they do get healthy, that is the group that I would want to see. Like, I, I agree. I like BJ Finney. I do think he has earned some opportunity. And we've but, seen him play that role well here in right. Pittsburgh before. It's just hard to say that I would want him being the day, the week one starter over Kendrick based on what we've seen from Kendrick. I agree with that. 
Now, Kendrick uh, missed practice for the second day in a row today. Who knows? Because, again, you, you don't have to disclose injuries and all that, all that kind of stuff. Mike Tomlin said that it was for personal reasons. He could very well be true. That It could just be as simple as that. Um, who knows? We won't know until we really know. But hopefully it is nothing serious with Kendrick Green. Because, yeah, his progression, his work has, has uh, I think, certainly been encouraging to this point. I, are, are you buying Motsi? You know, we, we heard from Adrian Clem there in the last segment. And I do think, like, I, I believe him that this is the optimistic approach to it and that there's, you know, there's a good, there's a silver lining in everything that you have had, you've been dealing with some injuries and some moving parts on that offensive line to this portion of camp, through this portion of camp so far, I should say. And he's talking about, but, you know, the benefit of that is we're testing guys. Mm-hmm. Guys are having to learn multiple roles, multiple positions. They're moving around. They're being required to do more. And I do believe, like, I don't think he's lying in that. that. That is the silver lining. That is the optimistic optimistic glass half full look at it. But in the back of his mind, he's got to be thinking, all right, while this might be a, a silver lining, I, I want these five horses to be out here working and getting chemistry, right? Because anybody who knows offensive line play, Motsi, it's almost that, you know, the, the strength of the wolf is the pack mm-hmm. when it applies to the offensive line. You're, 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 some can be much greater than its parts in that conversation with those five gentlemen. As much as I'm sure it is a silver lining, again, of, of being able to get a look at different guys and move some guys around and try some different things, I'm sure he wants those those big five back as, as quick as possible. Yeah, you definitely do. Um, I mean, for Adrian, his job is on the line, right? This is his first opportunity to show that he can be a position coach. You want your guys out there. If I'm go, if I'm putting my neck on the line, can I at least put it on the line with the group that I feel most confident in? And for Adrian, he hasn't necessarily had that opportunity just yet. So trust me, you make the best of the situation, but you want your guys. You want them healthy. And if you make switches as this thing progresses, cool. But you rather make those changes once you've already seen everyone healthy versus you're making changes based on, well, this guy was never available to us. Right. This guy right. started because he never got healthy. Rashad Coward, I mean, the the competition was, you know, it organically happened because Dotson wasn't available. But trust me, we would have much rather have been Dotson from day one. And if Rashad emerged, well, that's a different conversation. Right. But Rashad never emerged. It was just, you're playing well because this guy isn't out here. We haven't even had a chance to see him just yet. So trust me, yeah. They they want he wants those guys out there. Oh, yeah, without that he wants with, those guys. Without a doubt. Because again, <laughs> and, and I don't care what the sport is, I don't care what the position is. Any sport requires chemistry, requires a certain level of of camaraderie amongst the guys, amongst the units. But offensive line, man, I think you could argue uh, the chief most amongst that discussion. You know, secondary, very important that everyone's on the same page and working as a unit, not as individuals as well, too. But that is is just so paramount for offensive linemen. I did want to take a moment here as well, too, Motsi. Uh, it is a Sunday. It is. It feels like a kind of a, um, I don't know if reset day is the right way to use it. But, you know, they're off camp tomorrow. Then it's the last three-day sprint before you get to the third preseason game. We don't play a lot of audio here on the show. We do more um, interactive stuff with you guys. We have guests and things like that. But I did want to just play a couple minutes of Mike Tomlin is here as well, too. We've talked a lot about growth. Um, both from the standpoint, I mean, we've had these conversations with Dwayne Haskins, with the offensive line, with so many people in the secondary. Here's Mike Tomlin on what he's seen from this Steelers team as it regards to growth, or as it relates to growth, (laughs) 
in regards to growth. I just combined two words there. Mike Tomlin, he's seen it in all areas. Day to day to get back out here and go to work, but before we did that, we had to analyze our tape and look at some of the things that we did and learn from it positively, negatively. We're trying to grow in all areas, specifically, you know, skill development relative to our positions. Uh, we, as we push into the last week of what is training camp, uh, we want to continue to focus on those things so we lay a good foundation for the remainder of our journey. We got to continue to grow in terms of football intellect, things relative to situational ball. Uh, I thought a significant component of the game Thursday night was possession downs. Uh, we were effective on offense. We got off on defense, and you know that dictated kind of time of possession that allowed us to win the war of attrition uh, as the game went on. Um, and we just want to continue to grow in terms of cohesion, the collective um, men working together, communicating, having coordinated detail because we realize that football is the ultimate team game. Uh, next couple days is Steelers versus Steelers. We're still very much in training camp mode. We come off an off day, we'll get focused on some game plan like things uh, as we push into our next stadium. So I'll pause and answer any questions. Mike, was uh, Kendrick Green dealing with something today? He was excused by me. Looking at Kevin Dotson, he was working with the ones. Did you like what you saw of him enough in the game to have him earn those first team reps? Uh, he was working with the ones. I think we gave some guys a day off. And so one time, sometimes when you give a guy a day off, it, it gives other guys an opportunity to elevate. We gave uh, Trey Turner a day off. And so, you know, we looked at some combination of guys. He did perform well in the game, but I wouldn't have known him just yet. Do you know when you might have Joe Sherbert here and what's he bring to your team? Uh, Joe will be practicing tomorrow. We're excited about having him. Um, productivity when I think of Joe, man. Um, he needs no endorsement from me. We're familiar with him, former AFC North guy. Been highly productive uh, in every circumstances that he's been in. Uh, he's a sideline to sideline tackler. He's good in coverage. Uh, he has coverage production in terms of interceptions. He has sack production. He plays a well-rounded game, and so we're excited about infusing him into what we do. Mike, you now have two three-down linebackers. Does that give you options in terms of how you can play and what you want to do? It does. Had you guys been looking to add another veteran inside linebacker after Vince's retirement, or was this guy just available? It was available. Um, it, it presented itself to us, but it didn't take us long to consider it because we're highly familiar with his skill set and, and productivity. Would you say he and Devin will be competing to see who stays on the field and dies? You know, I'm not ready to, to speculate at this juncture. We got some work in front of us, and, you know, they'll determine the vision of labor with their quality of work as it, as it should be. What kind of growth have you seen in Dan Moore? Man, significant. Um, he, he doesn't perform like a young guy. Um, but sometimes, particularly when you look at the circumstances that he comes from, uh, you know, he's in that SEC West, man, played left tackle over there and, and logged a bunch of starts, man. That's like dog years. And so uh, that experience is showing. And uh, we're going to challenge him this week and let him play on the right side some and look at his positional versatility. Two more. That would suggest that Jukes would be left tackle for sure. Um, you can suggest that. But you wouldn't take a rookie out of what he's comfortable with if you – you can suggest that. You can suggest that. One more for anyone? Coach, All right, Coach. Coach, you talked about the wing. You said that you called him check down. You said that he wanted to go, I guess, big wheel hunting in the game on Thursday. Is that what you kind of saw from him in terms of growth doing that on Thursday? You know, I think Thursday is really kind of indicative of what we've seen from him out here. And so uh, I don't know that I was surprised by anything that I saw on Thursday. Mike Tomlin there. That was after yesterday's practice. So you heard him talking about growth. You heard him talking about 
the acquisition of Joe Schobert. Obviously, he had his first practice today in the black and gold, getting some work in before a day off tomorrow. But I, hey, if, you know, if growth in all areas is something that Mike Tomlin has as a takeaway from practice, Motsi, it's a good takeaway for me. I'll take that from the head coach. I agree 100%. Yes, indeed, man. Yes, indeed. But as a whole, like I said, this is a good situation. This is yeah. a good, good, good place we're in right now, man. It, it absolutely is. Motsi and I are in a good place. We're back in our studio, the comforts of our studio home here. We will get to some of your reaction as we go along here. We'll also have another division preview today when we begin the third hour of the program. I did want to, though, you know, we – we, we, we do 90, what, 95, 96, 97% of what mm-hmm. we talk about here on this show is, is Steelers related. Uh, the other large chunk is around the NFL. And then there's like a 1% sliver that's like food and pop culture, right, Motsi? There is, what's the term I want to use here? I, I think it's fair to call it an issue. There's an issue that's been festering around the National Football League for a few years that I think continues to get worse and worse, and we saw another nasty example of it last night. What is that? How do I feel about it? What's Arthur Motes' take on it as an ex-player? We'll discuss all those things when we return. It's the Steelers Blitz ongoing training camp coverage 2021 on your 24-7, home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers Blitz on SNR having some fun here on a Sunday. I mean, Motsi, who's got it better than us? No. I'm not going there. Nobody. Nope. We got I ain't our, seeing it. We got, our, <laughs> we got our feet up in the big penthouse studio up here in the 970 studios. We've got ball on the television. Panthers, Colts at halftime and a little preseason action. And, uh, and we've got your reaction on the tweets at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. You can also get at us on the phone lines 412-919-1316. 412-919-1316. Motsi, I do want to transition here a little bit. This is going to be a same church, different pew type conversation because this is related to football, uh, but not the X's and O's. Is the Jimmy and Joes or the Jimmy and James? Well, maybe the Jimmy and Joes or the Jimmy and James who are in the stands. I said before we went to break, right, that there is an issue um, that is not a new one in the NFL that has been bothering me that I wanted to get Motsi's take on that was festering again. That issue is quite simply unruly fan behavior. And here's what I mean. If you are on social media, you've seen it today. It's everywhere. Last night, and this happens a couple times a season now, it is not uncommon. There was a brawl in the stands at a preseason game last night between the Rams, and I don't even know who the Rams were playing because it was their own fans who were getting in fights with each other, all right? So this wasn't like Suns and Nuggets in the conference finals, Suns and Four dude feeding some Nuggets fans. No, this is civil war amongst Rams Nation out there in Los Angeles, Motsi. And I laugh and I joke because, I mean, it is kind of funny to watch grown men in their 50s with their beer bellies and their butt cracks hanging out, and they throw punches for like 10 seconds, and they're just absolutely exhausted exhausted because they're all out of shape none of those guys could probably even run a mile without passing out so again there there is some comedy to it 
But Motsi, this happens way too often now. It, it happens in every sport. I think more so in football because football is it's just a violent game, and, and that can roll over a lot of times into the stands, into the fan bases. But you know, Motes, I was just watching on Netflix. It's brand new. If you're a sports nut, you should, you'll love it. There's a new series on Netflix called Untold, and it's all sports documentaries, and they just released one on the malice at the palace, the, the brawl between mm-hmm. the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons and Detroit Pistons fans. And Motsi, it's, it's, it's eye-opening. It's eye-popping. And I just continue to worry that something like that is going to happen again eventually because this is not just a football thing, but it, 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 this is a football show, and it happened last night at the Rams game. There is just such a culture of, and you and I, we love the tailgate. We love to, to have drinks and go into the game and make some noise and get a little rowdy. But there's a fine line between losing your voice, you know, screaming and yelling and making noise on third down. Then there is throwing punches at other grown men over disagreement, throwing beers, throwing sodas, throwing food items at other grown men over disagreements. But, but can, can we stop saying grown men? Well, there was also because a woman in this video who, was, that who, started, was, who started the whole exactly. thing by throwing a beverage in someone's so, yeah. face. So, so let's make sure so, that we are and very— it's not just, So it's yes. not just a problem with guys, Thank too. You. Yeah. People drink way too much. They get into these arenas. The music's playing, and they think they're invincible. They think they're gladiators. And Motsi, again, I, I get rowdy at games. I scream, and I yell, and I make noise on third down, and I don't have a voice most often the next day after WVU games, after Steelers games, after I go to Penguins games. But, buddy, there is a fine line between that and acting a dang fool, and I just – I, I I watched that Malice in the Palace documentary. I see how these things happen. And let's not be naive, too. Remember just a couple years ago, what was it, two years ago on Sunday Night Football when there was a Steelers fan who headbutted a Chargers <laughs> fan here at Heinz Field, all right? So this is – we've had – you remember that, right? Everyone forgets about that. You remember I that now, don't you? remember. We had a headbutt incident among fans oh here God. at Heinz Field a couple years I ago. Forgot. That was the game with, uh, with Keenan Allen. That was the Torch- Keenan – yeah. The Ke- and the, oh and the, missed, the missed block – I think that was three seasons ago now, the, actually. The, the, the smoke the, and mirrors. The yeah. smoke and mirrors game. Oh, the, missed, wow. the missed block in the back on the punt wow. return touchdown. Oh, yeah. yeah I remember I like re- it was yesterday. Wow. I, I also remember that Steelers fan headbutting, dude. Yeah, like it was yesterday. Motes, I just when I see all this stuff continue to fester. And, and again, I know that that is just part of the culture now is I'm going to go. I'm going to drink beer. I'm going to tailgate all day. I'm going to go to this game and I'm going to get rowdy. And then I, you know, I like I said, I'm watching that Malice at the Palace documentary and you see fans throwing stuff and punching at each other. And I'm just thinking how long until we have another incident like that? Because I know you've been there before. You've talked about being on the field in Cincinnati, getting pelted with beers and with soft pretzels. Give me your take on all this as, as the, the former athlete here on the show, the one who's actually been out on the field when you've seen some of this fan behavior stuff transpire. Fan fighting fans, I don't care about. I look at that no different if I'm at a nightclub and somebody gets a fighting in there because they can't handle their liquor. Everybody's not mature. We know that. My biggest issue is when fans – take that and they try to bring it to the field, whether they're talking directly to a player, whether they're throwing stuff at players. That's my biggest thing because the difference is in the fans or in the stands, right? Those people that had their disagreement in that Chargers game or excuse me, that Rams game, they were able to settle that right then and there, right? So as soon as that person threw that punch, the person that threw the punch and was on the receiving end had a chance to respond. And we're not condoning violence, but we are believers in cause and effect. And that person that was on the receiving end did get a chance to defend themselves. They got a chance to speak up for themselves. They got a chance to ultimately stand up for who they feel like they are as a person. Us as athletes, though, when people do it from the fans or from the stands to us doing the playing field, 
unless you take an approach like the mouse of the palace, you never get a chance to defend right. yourself. And if you do take that approach, right. you're suspended for the whole season like Ron so, Artest so was. That's, you're suspended for 30 games like right. Jermaine O'Neal was. So to me, that's where I have my bigger issue. It's more so just when fans do it towards players and players can't respond back to it. Because it's no different. If we were out at a Walmart right now, we wouldn't have these pleasantries. It wouldn't be this formality of, oh, no, you can't because of this and that. And I ultimately think that that deters people from taking that approach in oh, those sure. settings compared to when they're in a fan yeah, setting the, and they know they're protected Those there. people in Cincinnati that were throwing soft pretzels right. at you, they if, knew you're, they were if you're walking down the sidewalk yeah. the other way of the street is them, they're not throwing soft pretzels exactly. at and you. Exactly, and I'll confirm it was never a soft pretzel. It was beer and popcorn. Oh, I thought it was a soft no, oh, beer and popcorn. popcorn. Okay, beer and I thought popcorn. it was a beer yeah, and soft yeah. pretzel. Yeah, okay. beer and popcorn, man. But I would have ate the soft was pretzel. Was it at least buttered popcorn? I mean... It's hard to tell when you got the beers coming at you. <laughs> that, that... <laughs> yeah. Those those dry fit t-shirts don't wick beer away quite like they do sweat. And either. honestly, I wasn't even concerned about it wicking beer away. It's more frustrating because where I'm from, I've never had anybody come up to me at my face and do any of that without well, receiving some type you, of repercussion from that. Unless you're at an, a, a, yeah. a lot of times, unless you're at a party, like you were saying, maybe mm-hmm. like a nightclub or a gathering where there's alcohol. Exactly. It, honestly, it's when alcohol's involved in gatherings yeah. like that that stuff like that happens. Right. And it's not saying that you're a tough guy, but. Right. Prove it. You know, at least give yourself an opportunity, right? You you could be a beer throwing. You might kick my butt. Cool, but prove it. Give me an opportunity. It's easy when you're doing it from the stands, and that's ultimately what we're alluding to, why it's just players have bigger issues. But in terms of fans fighting fans, yeah, that's no different. Like I said, if we go down the south side right now, or not right now because it's a little early. They're probably recovering. But you wait sure. you know, a couple hours, you go down the south side on isn't the weekend. It, isn't it like a bad look, though? Like, isn't it just oh, something you'd rather not? it's a terrible look. It's, because a terrible it's look. the same reason that I avoid the south side right. now at, at 1 a.m. on the weekends. It's exactly. because I don't want to be involved in that. Yeah, but at the end, though, we know that that does happen with liquor, oh, with young people, 100%. with old people. Like, everybody can't handle their liquor. It's the reason it's just, why. It feels like it's <laughs> happening at sporting events. I mean, again, think of how many of these we can rattle off off the mm-hmm. top of our heads, right? It, but, we, but we I mentioned w- Sons and Four guy. Mm-hmm. Remember there was the the, the, the the Rocky, the Padres fan who just two-pieced the true, Rockies but, but fan? But I'll say this, though. Fights have been going on. It's no That's different true. than we, when we just, talk everyone about. Everyone has a camera now. Right. It's no different when we talk about, like, injustice, right? It's not like this stuff just started happening. No, That's we talk point. about how Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, if we're dating back, right? This stuff has been going on. Fights at sporting events have been happening. Been happening. It's just now people are going to be recording it so it becomes more prevalent and then the people start to feel uncomfortable because now they're getting exposed a little bit i'm sure the young lady who threw that beer to start this altercation with all this technology out there oh she's they're feeling going it to morning. find out who she is and then from there now she has to deal with the embarrassment now she might have to deal with consequences she might be at her prosecuted job as well, it's like, yeah not it's to mention a lot personal more that goes yep. into that now Compared to back then when you weren't dealing with that. So I think that's another reason why it's talked about a lot more and it's out there more so now. And and you just feel the ramifications of it, which, like I said, I'm all for because if you fight in a regular scenario, you have consequences. You have responsibilities from that, you know? So for me, that's kind of how I feel about it, man. Am I too worried that we're going to have another malice at the palace type incident? Like, you and I discussed this. I mean, this isn't just fans, too. A couple years ago in the NBA Finals, one of the owners of the Golden State Warriors exactly. pushed Kyle Lowry. Exactly. So, like, I just 
But I, that's the entitlement part, though, because we've heard is. ever since. I just, I and, don't know, man. I'm just afraid that we're going to have another. And maybe I, Malice at the Palace was incredibly ugly. You had Ron Artest in the stands. You had fans coming down on the court to challenge Jermaine O'Neal. And, like, and, and, and they I got, don't know if it'll and, get and to you saw how it played out, level. right? I don't know. Yeah, those fans got their job broken. And, and I'm sure if you ask those fans that ran out or that got in those altercations, would they ever consider doing it again? Nope. Exactly. So to me, but again, it's a new generation of people now. It's a new generation of kids. So you, you got to hit the reset button then, huh? I, I'm just, am, am I am I too am I too worried about that that we're gonna have another ugly fan incident? See, for me, I just think, man, people. Everyone wants to do it for the gram. Everyone wants to get wasted. Everyone thinks at, at they're times, so tough. I'm not gonna lie. At times, I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask for this. Because, like... Because you'd almost welcome it. I, I do. You would have loved it if one of those Bengals fans would have ran I, down I do, at you. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, we're going to get an understanding there. It's easy to do things when you never have a, a consequence. That's what bullies are, right? Bullies always pick on people because they know, wait, hey, we're safe between the rules, between our group, between us being the quote-unquote majority, whatever it is. We don't have to worry about the reaction. We don't have to worry about the cause and effect of my decision, of my words. And ultimately, that's why bullies operate how they are. But what was the narrative with bullies, right? Everybody's a bully until you hit that bully in the mouth, until that bully is met with adversity. Or until they made a bigger exactly. fish. Exactly. <laughs> and now you see that bully, eh, really isn't a bully. So when I think of these scenarios like this, I look at fans that do that. Not all fans, but the fans that try to take advantage of the system as no different than a bully. You're doing it because you know there isn't a consequence. So sometimes you need a consequence. Sometimes you need that to happen. So I for just me, don't want I'm you to get a consequence, it. though. Because if those I, Bengals fans run down on the field, I mm -hmm. mean, I know you're going to give it to them, but you might also get suspended a little bit, too. This is true. And I don't want Arthur Motes to get suspended. But I also say this is cause and effect, right? If a fan is willing to come on that field and – Essentially, when you come on that field, now you're essentially threatening my life, right? Because oh, sure. you're not supposed to be there. I didn't sign up to play against a fan. I signed up to play against professionals. So by you being here, now I need to defend myself. So if the cause and effect is I get suspended because of that, well, I have to live with those actions. But based on how I feel from a morality standpoint, well, sure. I feel like that action was justified you're by yourself. this. Exactly. Yeah. So that's ultimately how I look at these scenarios like that. It's hard to just put it as like a cookie cutter or one all one size fits all. They are different scenarios. But yeah. you have to ask yourself like James Harrison, for example, with the fan that ran on the field in Cleveland, him right. tackling him, right? right? That's one scenario. Now imagine if James would actually punch that fan different in terms of how we're viewing it. If he tackles him and then he gets on top of him right. and starts throwing That's punches. That's different. Yeah. But you yeah. think about with Jermaine O'Neal and that fan that came on the court towards him, yeah, James punched him. I mean, Jermaine punched him in the face because he was defending himself. Because that guy was squaring that, up. That guy wasn't him. running on the field to get noticed. He was running on the, field. He was running on the court to attack. Yeah. So, yeah, if it came down to that, hey, so be it. But I don't have to worry about that right now. Because I'm a radio you guy. Well, you never know. You I mean, we're going to be out of Heinz Field. Maybe some of these people have beef with us, and they want to well, no, no, no. come try us well, no, out. No, no. At the I, I, said, I said this is the thing, though. As a radio guy, it's not going to be talked about as much, so I ain't worried about that. What, you going to spend oh, from I'm radio? A, I'm going to take, take a video of it. Hey, well, no, this is what I'm saying. Don't think about it, right? In football, if I was with the Steelers, you could suspend me from the Steelers. Sure, you get fined. What you, 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 you going to suspend me from radio? Okay, I'm going to go to my YouTube. Okay, I'll just go to my social media. I ain't worried about that. They can't suspend us around here anyways, Motsi. They need us too much. You know how much work we do around here? I mean, they need us more than we need them. Oh, and I just, man. We see it in every sport. We see it in baseball this summer. We saw it with yeah. the Suns and Four guy. We see it in football. You see it in hockey. 
in game seven mm-hmm. in hockey between the Eastern Conference Finals between the Islanders and the Lightning. There's like two minutes left in the game. It's a one-goal game, and the cameras <laughs> panned out because there's a huge fight going yep. on and, 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 and between Lightning and Islanders fans behind the net. Like you just you see this stuff happen a lot. And it, I think, like Mozi said, it, it is obviously one thing when it's just fan on fan, just two dopes being two dopes. Yeah. Get, if you're if you're ever around a scenario like that, don't try and be peacemaker. Don't try, just get at it. You don't you don't reason with people that think they're that tough and have had that much alcohol to consume, especially if you got kids with you too. Right. Just just get out of there. Like I say, if you got to go to a sporting event to prove you're tough, like. I don't want to deal with that. Why, why would I want to interact with that? But I'm just, that go, go fight UFC. If you're, if you're that tough, if you're this punch-out um, guy, go, go right, be a fighter. Right. I'm yeah. just I'm just worried again, Motsi, that it's going to come to a standpoint where there's going to be a player involved. It's going to be a scenario like that, and the player's going to have no option but to defend themselves. But every time we've said that, that still doesn't give the player the justification. We saw that even in Jacksonville five, four or five years ago with the player from Seattle. The exact same as oh, wow, I forgot about exact, that. But, but once again, right? As bad as it looked, as much as you could see who was the protagonist and who was the antagonist in that situation, the football player still was talked about negatively, still was viewed as a quote-unquote, you know, head case. Remember when Marcus Peters went over in, okay. in, in, in L.A.? A- a- another one, right? And, okay. and said, all right, talk, okay. that, talk that to my face. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're, players are viewed as wrong when they just react, when they show that they are actually human. And that's the part that, you know, when I come up here and we talk about it, that's ultimately what I'm alluding to. These players are human. We put them on pedestals. But just because a person makes money doesn't mean that they don't have feelings, doesn't mean that they don't react to harsh words, doesn't mean that, oh, yeah, because you got this much money, you you should be above feelings, you should be above sadness, you should be above. Like, no, that's not realistic. And as I've said numerous times, money is relative. For that person that might make $20,000 a year and think that they're struggling because, oh, this guy makes millions. What about that guy that lives under the bridge? Huh? What about that guy? He's looking at your 20K saying, shut up, stop complaining. So the same way that y'all view football players and football players view people that make more money than us the same Mm -hmm. way is relative. I'm sure people do that with us it's at times, relative. but I'm not naive enough. I bet you there's a lot of people that listen to us either regularly or just occasionally that are out there doing real physical labor. Mm-hmm. We know we we get tweets from a lot of our listeners, uh, Joseph, Steel City Champs, guys who are truck drivers. I mean, out there putting in real shifts away from their family. So you and I might complain about having, you know, like certain things or whatever, but then someone's thinking, oh, you guys are in a studio for three hours talking about sports. So you're right. Those those things are always all relative your situation always seems, you know, Motsi, it's funny. I just had one of those one of those flashback moments. <laughs> I had a coach in high school who used to always tell us two universal truths in life. One, everybody thinks that their pets are the most adorable pets. That's the number one most <laughs> universal. It doesn't matter if you got dogs, if you got pets, cats, yeah. whatever. You think your dog, you think your cat is the cutest, is the greatest in the world. That Everyone thinks that their pet is the best. That's universal truth number one. And universal truth number two is that everybody thinks that their problems are the greatest, are the most significant, mm-hmm. are the most important, that their issues are the most difficult to deal with. Um, those are two universal truths, and I, I think you're right, too. And I just, oh, man. I come back to the universal truth of one of these fans is going to go too far sometime, and they're going to learn. Like, do you remember the incident? This was probably 20 years ago. The the um, Philadelphia Flyers fan who, like, fell into the penalty box with Ty Domi, the Maple Leafs player, no. and just got punched out. 
like he was hey. he, he was he was he was like yeah. beacon with Ty Domi, right? And uh-huh. Ty Domi squirted him with a little bit of water. Uh-oh. And this guy like hung over the penalty box and fell in and Ty Domi just gave it to him. Like I'm just waiting for that yeah. to happen again. That's going to happen again. I mean, at the end of the day, if if people just operate with the premise of treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. Keep your hands to yourself. And and if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. And people operate with that would probably be a lot better. But we know this is life, and people can't control themselves. We I say this from experience, okay? Again, I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm some degenerate alcoholic, because I am not, okay? But when I go to WVU games, seven times a year, I tailgate. I have fun. I would not operate heavy machinery after the game, all right? Let's just put it that way. I would not get behind the wheel of a car but I still know how to act when I'm in the stadium. Like, you can drink, you can get rowdy, you can, you know, create that atmosphere and all those things and have a good time, but still act like an adult. Still not, still know that it's a game but, and that, you, and that it, there's a, a clear line in the sand there. See, I feel like you say that, but not everybody as a fan no, feels they, like that. They it's don't. a large pack, a large faction that doesn't. And they a think large I paid my $80 for my ticket, I can yeah. do this, this, and this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and not just in America. I mean, we t- you know oh, the, the soccer no, culture is even worse. They look at us like we're watered down. But you could just see, like, that thought process might be more of the outlier or, or more of the minority in these type of scenarios than the majority. And it's unfortunate, but that's how people are right now, man. Yeah, it's it's today's climate it's that we're true. living in, man. It's true. You want to get involved with the show, you know where to get at us. At Wesley Euler, at the body 52 Duh. On the Twitter.com, we also got phone lines, 412-919-1316. Those are the digits to dial if you want to go inside the electric factory. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. it's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.